How does real revival happen? Is it just a random act of God, or do we have a role to play in it? We may have witnessed or maybe even read about moments where it seemed like the Holy Spirit moved in a powerful way, transforming hearts and minds in an instant. But can we truly rely on these moments to bring about lasting change, or is there more to it than just waiting for a supernatural intervention? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world, and we do that offensively. We're just joining God in what he's doing. And we're going to be talking about revival again here this morning. I think it is very helpful for us to talk about that as revival is the buzzword in our culture, especially in the Christian world. And I would like to bring to you um, something that Charles Finney wrote in a, in a, a series of lectures called Revival Lectures. Now, there's a lot of people that don't like Charles Finney because they say uh, that he was a heretic and many other such things. I do think there were some things that he taught in the beginning of his um, preaching career that, um, you know, I may not have agreed with. And then later he had put a series uh, or preached a series of lectures to undo some of the things that he had taught before because he realized that he was a little off on some of those things. But I think people unfairly characterize this man in such a way so as to say that he brought in a host of troubles and problems. If you do a little bit more of study and reading his autobiography, I believe that you will find a man who loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and somebody whom God used mightily to lead many, many thousands of people to Jesus Christ. And the retention rate of his um, converts is exceptionally high compared to a lot of the modern-day evangelistic efforts. So we're going to be talking about revival, and I'm going to be using uh, his lecture about what is revival as an outline here to discuss this so that we can have a right view and an outlook as to what that is. We're going to be um, looking at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2 as the text here. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years— Make known in wrath, remember mercy. So the prophet Habakkuk is believed to have prophesied about the Babylonian captivity. And in his anticipation of the coming judgment, Habakkuk cries out for God to revive thy work. Revive your work, God. Things are going into ashes around us. Your people have turned away from you. I can taste and feel the judgment of God that's coming toward us. We have heard prophecies about those coming judgments. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, oh, Lord, would you do something? Would you help us at this moment? This kind of brings us into a, a somewhat of a, a challenging area. So religion is the work of man. Now, before you write me off, I want you to hear this. Religion is the work of man. In other words, Religion is something for men and women to do. It consists in us obeying God with and from the heart. It is man's duty. It's true, however, that God does induce, empower, persuade men and women to do something. So it is a tandem effort. It's not just all God and it's not just all men, but God has something for us as people to do even as the work of God goes forward and religion, if you'd like to call it, should move forward. Religion is simply a, a somewhat of a container for the truth in order for us to organize and propagate the truth. So naturally, men have something to do with that. 
uh, this is all Charles, from Charles Finney's outline here. He said that God influences man by his spirit to obey him. God is influencing people by his spirit to obey himself, but men are reluctant to obey, right? It's not that we don't have the ability to obey. It's that we are reluctant to and disposed not to obey. So revivals are necessary to induce people to obey God because of their spiritual sluggishness and the opposing obstacles to the gospel, both in their lives and everywhere around them. So revivals are a means to an end, and it is a cooperative effort between God and his people. So revivals then presuppose a declension in religion. In other words, something's wrong in the heart of God's people. There is a decline in our spiritual life, in our fervor, in our holiness, in our zeal, and all of that. It is tanking and going down. So the word revival helps us, as I said before in some of the previous episodes, to realize there was life there, and it is getting it's on. It was on life support, and it's getting the the shocks to it again to wake uh, our sleepiness back up. So God, if we look in the Old Testament, used to maintain the true vital religion among the Jews by special occasions of great excitement. And if you were to look back in the Old Testament, you can look at Hezekiah, where he cut down uh, idols in the groves, and he smashed the idols, and he and then a whole lot of people started getting behind him. He, he excited their emotions. Josiah, when he found the book of the law in the temple, he heard it, he ripped his clothes, he made a covenant, he destroyed all the altars and uh, priests that were not doing the right thing, and uh, the things of worship that were used for idolatry and said, here's what we're going to do instead, a revival. He promoted it. He worked together with God. Asa, he saw wickedness and he destroyed altars and he broke down groves. Manasseh had a personal revival as he had turned his back on God and he had a lot of affliction that came toward him, which led to his repentance. He got rid of the strange gods and rebuilt God's altar. We know about Nineveh where Jonah goes to preach to the people of Nineveh and they repent and a revival breaks out. And then Peter on the day of Pentecost, he denied the Lord and he was converted, came back, and then he preaches in front of a bunch of people. It pricks them in their conscience and heart and they say, what do we do now? So we see God has used moments of great excitement to get people's attention and to arouse them out of their sluggishness. So without the excitement of revivals, the counteracting influences of worldly feeling and excitement are going to win. They will prevail and people will not obey God. They have to be stirred up in some way, shape or form. It appears to be through biblical history and just in extra biblical history. Whenever there has been a revival, whenever there has been an awakening amongst people, God has used some sort of means to wake people up from their slumber and excite their religious feelings, excite their spiritual feelings so that they can then say, hey, wake up, sleepy will. We need to walk after God. Um, so the church then needs revivals to promote religion, vital Christianity. The church needs the revival, and the church is still weak in knowledge and principles the state of the world around us requires the promotion of religion mainly by means of revivals. It is desirable for the church to act steadily for God without the need for revivals. That is what we would hope, but history bears out both in the Bible and outside of the Bible that that is not the case. So if we were to sum up this kind of introductory uh, area here, revivals are necessary to produce powerful excitements among people to induce them to obey God. So if the church is fully enlightened and counteracting causes are all removed, 
the entire church would be in a state of habitual and steady obedience to God without the need for revivals, but we just know that's not the case in the world that we live in right now. So a revival of religion, we first have to understand, according to Finney, is not a miracle. And you would say, why why listen to Finney? Because if you read through his autobiography and you look through his life, he was a man in the center of revivals and being used mightily of God where people were repenting of their sins and they were discipled and they were steady in their Christian walk and much fruit had come from his ministry. So if anyone knew how to talk about revival and to tell us what we need to know, it would be Charles Finney. He said, a revival of religion is not a miracle. And the definition of a miracle has been generally defined to be, as Finney says, a divine interference setting aside or suspending the laws of nature. And it is not, a revival is not a miracle in this sense. All the laws of matter and mind still remain in force. They are neither suspended nor set aside in a revival. So a revival is not a miracle. Religion or vital Christianity is not above the powers of nature. Revivals are a result of the right use of means, argues Finney. Revivals in the apostles' day were connected with miracles, but they weren't miracles themselves. So then let's think about that. What are revivals and the use of means? So means have a natural tendency to produce a revival. Revivals have their occasion and may result from those means. There is a dangerous idea that promoting religion is not connected with certain means, as if God just kind of supernaturally dumps it out and there's no reason for it. But Finney argues there is always a means to an end. There is tools that God has given into our hands that we can use in faith and obedience and expect God to be doing something above what we can do in our own strength. So he then stresses the importance of using these appropriate means. The most useful and important things are most easily and certainly obtained by the use of appropriate means. Spiritual blessings are connected with the use of appropriate means. The attainment of spiritual blessings, blessings is connected with greater uniformity than temporal ones. In other words, he's saying, you know, if we were to have certain means and expected ends in our life, he's saying that it's even more certain when it has to do with spiritual things. So it's very important to know what those means are and to use them. So the connection between means and results is clear in vital Christianity as it is in farming. I till the ground, I plant the seeds, expect plants to grow. Spiritual blessings are of surpassing importance and their attainment is connected with the use of appropriate means. So what is a revival then? The definition of revival is uh, the renewal of Christians' first love and awakening and conversions of sinner or conversion of sinners to God. So revival in a community involves the awakening, quickening, and reclaiming of the backslidden church and the awakening of all classes to God's claims. What are the characteristics of a true revival then? There should be conviction of sin on the part of the church, resulting in deep searchings of heart and abandoning of hope. Backslidden Christians are brought to repentance and a new beginning of obedience to God. There is a renewal of faith and love for God and others. There's the breaking uh, breaking the power of the world and sin over Christians. And then there is reformation and salvation of sinners, including the worst among human beings. So a revival consists of the return of a backslidden church and conversion of sinners. The characteristics, again, of that revival include conviction of sin, repentance, renewal of faith and love, breaking of the power of the world of sin, and reformation of the salvation of sinners. How does God then promote this? What are the agencies used or employed in a revival of religion? Well, God's agencies. There's a twofold agency. First, God's providential government, and secondly, the Holy Spirit. The providential government arranges events in the world around us completely outside of our control, 
arranges events to bring sinner and truth in contact. Then the Holy Spirit gives truth, vividness, strength, and power, making the sinner just fall under the weight and turn to God. So the truth is clear in the Bible, but God clarifies it before their minds and pours in a blaze of convincing light upon their souls. So that's what God does. What about men? Men are not just mere instrument in the hands of God. The preacher is a moral agent. The preacher is voluntary in promoting the conversion of sinners. Is he going to work together with God and use the appropriate means? What's the sinner's agency? What does the sinner do? Conversion consists of obeying the truth, impossible without the sinner's consent, and man and God influence the sinner to do that. And what is the impact of Christians' agency on sinners? Christians act on their fellow men, not only by their language and what they say with their mouth, but by their looks, by their tears, by the, the way that they daily carry themselves. Christians with deep feeling on the subject of religion, they produce deep feeling wherever they go. Christians who are cold and light and just kind of trifling destroy all deep feeling, even in awakened sinners. So where does this leave us then? Revivals were once regarded as miracles that the church had no agency in producing. The church believed they had nothing to do with revivals. They supposed revivals occurred every 15 years or so, and that there was no more that could be done than to wait for the next one. But there are some misconceptions regarding also the sovereignty of God, and these have hindered revivals. The misunderstanding of God's sovereignty as arbitrary disposal of events and just kind of a gift of the Spirit. But God exercises a universal superintendence and control, they would say, but he just does not dispense with the use of means. So he does have control, but he doesn't just undercut all the means that he would put in our hands to accomplish something. Some people discourage direct efforts to promote a revival, stating that we should not interfere with God's sovereignty. This is a great error. So giving up efforts to produce religious awakening, awakenings, however, is not the solution. There is definite evils that may arise from great excitements, but that doesn't mean that we should not use them or that we should just give up. In revivals, religion cannot be promoted to any considerable extent without using the appropriate means that God has given to us. Evils are incidental and, and of small importance compared to the amount of good that is done. So, dear listener, we need to cooperate with God. He's given us means to an end, and the question is, what will you do with them? Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. I'd love to talk with you on the phone if you're local. I'd love to get together with you somewhere and we could talk about spiritual things. Visit godsresistance.com. Go to YouTube and type in God's Resistance Press for more. And if you are local, we have a Bible study every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at the Abide Coffee Shop. See you there.